Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media, where I'll include their links in the show notes. Here we go, everybody. How's it How's it going, man? I think I want to get back to my roots. I want to get back to getting... Um, getting a little more amped up when I talk about things, man. Cause I, you know, lately I have been myself, I have been on edge and you know, that's the ebbs and flows with, with mental health. And, you know, sometimes you think you're doing great and everything's fine. And you think, man, all that shit's in the rear view, but it's not, man, it's right there under the surface. And there's things that can just reignite, um, everything that you've been struggling to overcome for your entire life or your entire, uh, diagnosis or whatever length of time you've been struggling. Sometimes when you think you've made it over that hump, there's always a humble reminder or two or three or 15 or 20 that just come and slap you in the face, just bam, 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 bam. And it doesn't seem to let up. And then what it has you doing, it has you questioning are you really okay? Have you really made it? Have you really gotten to a better place? And I think, I mean, I think that my honest opinion is, I, I just think that it comes in waves. And and one of the most crucial things in the, in the mental health fight or the struggle, whatever you want to call it, is you have to understand that. You have to understand when you're on top, you're not going to stay there. But you also have to understand it from the flip side of that, when you're on the bottom, you're not always going to be there. And you don't necessarily have control over how long either one is going to last. Because I'm going to tell you, man, uh, mental health relapses, they're real, they're dangerous, and they're disappointing. And they're not only disappointing to you, they're disappointing to the people that that are really pulling for you. Because there are people in your corner. There are people that want you to be better. There are people that they see that growth and they see that tremendous effort that you put in day in and day out. And when you end up stepping on your own dick, it, it kind of it kind of resets all of that. And it makes people, I don't think audibly they question it out loud, I think, but they question that internally. And what I'm speaking for right here is like, I'm, I mean like members of your family or spouses, uh, extended family, when they see you relapse, I think in their mind there's that doubt that, this motherfucker's never going to be right. This motherfucker's never going to be able to be as civil as he or she would like to be. And it's awkward, man. I'm going to tell you what was going on with me this week. And actually over the last couple of weeks. Um, 
I got that nasty ass gas station coffee. I'm amped up this afternoon. I'm out on my farm and it was pouring rain and we got the cows fed, the horses and donkeys, everybody's fed up. And uh, I said, man, let's sit down and let's let's try to spit some hot fire. So let's see how let's see how we do here and see just how many people we can relate to uh, with with this with this episode. Now, if you're enjoying the episode so far, I do encourage you to share it. I encourage you to share it and tag me on Instagram, especially because that's um, that's usually where I where I push the podcast. I you know I'm on TikTok, and I, but TikTok just just is what it is. Um, but if you find these things helpful, please uh, please don't be afraid to share it and tag me and let me know. Um, you know that motivates me to keep going too. Um, so. I, through the book writing process, my second book um, that I'm writing and hoping to have out this year, and I keep I keep mentioning that because you know we're at the time where, at some point, this book's going to come out this year. Hopefully, um, if not early next year, I got to start planting that seed in everybody's head. If you're interested in this book, to uh, keep an eye out for it. But through this book writing process, the second book. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm still learning so much about myself. And just when I think I have it all figured out, some motherfucker pushes reset on all the work that I've done. And what I mean by that is I, I'm responsible for my reactions. I'm responsible for the way that I behave. And I take great pride in that. And I really do my best now to bite my tongue. I wasn't always that way. I really do my best to hold my tongue because I, I know words hurt, words cut deep, and sometimes words hurt worse than, than the fucking hands do. Um, so I'm very careful on my word selection these days, and I have been for a while. But every now and then, some, some ignorant motherfucker will push reset. And it's in those moments where you get to find out who you really are and who you've really become. Now, I've had a couple of those moments here recently I'm going to talk about. Um, one of them was the other day I'm sitting at home, and when, I was, when I'm writing about um, my life as far as the growth goes in my, in my next book, I talk about how important the farm was for me, and, 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 and I needed to be away from everybody for a very long time, which I did. And now I'm at this stage in my life where I don't really feel like I need to be away from anybody. I feel, I feel fine in society. I want to be around people again. I want to be in my neighborhood. I want, you know what I mean? I want to like, I want to foster relationships and everything. I'm at that point where I'm, I'm over that man, fuck everybody hump and just leave me the, leave me the fuck alone. Cause a lot of people, what I've realized is a lot of people get stuck in that, uh, time in their life where they hate human beings and they don't want to be around people and they don't want to be around family. They don't want to be around friends and they just want to be left the fuck alone. And the, the, that's okay to go through that stage. But the problem is when you make that stage a permanent stage in your life and you never grow out of that, that's where the problems come in for families. That's where the problems come in for friends, you know, and that's where you end up being exactly what you asked for alone and miserable. So I realized I didn't want to be there, and I did the work to get out of that place. Well, that doesn't mean that I don't still want to react to ignorant people. So here's what happened. I'm finally, you know, spending more time back in in the city, you know, with my family, with my wife, my girls, and 
During the day, it's really hard for me just because I do have a beautiful farm I can be out on in the sunshine, on my tractor, in the woods, fucking around in my pond. You know, I have all these things I could be doing, but I want to be home because I want to be better for everybody else too. And I want to show them that I'm better for them and that I can actually function at a high level as a father, as a husband in these environments. So what I do is I stay home all day and I write books and I work on my social media. I try to handle emails. I try to handle promoting my stuff and whatever. Well, sometimes it does get the best of me because I need to be out doing things and I need to be really busy. Well, long story short, I'm at my house the other day and I kind of hit a wall and I started feeling a little bit depressed. I started feeling like, um, I was heading back down a a bad road as far as like my mental health was going. And I saw the recliner in my living room and it was calling my name. And now I know better than anybody that that recliner is the absolute worst thing that you can do. A couch or a recliner is the worst thing that you can do when you are having mental health struggles. You need to put as much distance between yourself and comfort when you are not mentally healthy. All right. And what I mean is get away from those things because once you sit on that couch, once you sit in that recliner, it pulls you in, it sucks you in, it makes you lazy, it makes you tired, it makes you pathetic, honestly. You got to get away from that stuff. And I knew better than that. I said, man, I need to get out of the house, but I couldn't. So anyway, before I know it, it's the middle of the afternoon, I put on on my fucking pajama pants and I know I'm not feeling well. And here we go. I actually told myself, I go, man, I want to sit down in this chair and just, and, and, and watch Netflix. And I said, but I know the second I sit down, somebody's going to come to my fucking door and bother me. And I was going right back down that old road where I didn't want to be around people. Well, lo and behold, I turn the TV on and I sit down in my recliner and I'm literally not sitting there for two minutes. And not only did my doorbell not ring. But somebody started banging on the glass, on my my glass front door, to the point I came unglued. I came up out of that chair, and I'm sitting here, and I talk about hypervigilance, this and that. But when I'm home, I I try to relax the best that I can. Now, I have cameras and shit, but I wasn't monitoring my phone. I was just wanting to relax. And when this dude knocked on my door, I came up out of that chair, and I was in fight or flight mode. I was not in flight. I was in fight mode and I was in aggression mode and it was written all over my face. I was very put out. I was very pissed off. And I had this stupid fucking neighbor standing there with this dumbass bobblehead look on his face. And it's, I opened the door and when I opened the door, I only, I only opened it halfway to, to kind of let him know like, Hey, you're not welcome here. I'm not opening this, my home to you. This is a guy that recently moved in probably, I don't know, f- six months ago, and he's been quiet up until this point. But this was just the day that this was not the day, and I didn't need it. And the first thing he says out of my, out of his mouth was confrontational. He's an, he's an older guy. He's older than me. And he looks at me, and he goes, do you know who blocked my recycling bin this morning? And motherfucker, let me tell you what. I wanted to throat punch this man right where he stood and disembowel him on the front stoop. I was fucking livid because now not only did you just bang on my door with aggression and you bypassed the the lit up doorbell that's right next to where you were banging, you just you just challenged me over a goddamn recycling bin. 
That is what I don't like about society. That's what I don't like about neighborhoods. That's what I don't like about fucking people. There are bigger problems in the world than your goddamn recycling bin. And so it lit a bomb in me. And people, I'm telling you, the old me, I know what would have happened. The old me would have went off on this man. I'm afraid the old me would have gotten physically violent in that in that moment just because I know the way that I was feeling. I was and I stood there and I went to I I literally was opening my mouth and I said, "Stop. Think about what you're doing. You have you have children that live here. Your wife lives here. You don't need to make it worse for them." And that reset everything that was about to come out of my mouth. It was just that fast. I looked at him and I said, man, I don't know who blocked it. I said, I had the tree guys over here this morning and they had a couple of trucks out front. They may have blocked it. And then he looks at me and goes, well, are they coming back? And I'm sitting here. I'm like, you know, who gives a shit who blocked your recycling bin? What the fuck are you going to do about it? This is, I mean, that's the mindset that I was in, but I couldn't challenge this dude. I just could not do it. So I let him know I wasn't pleased by the tone of my voice, the look on my face. I let him know that I was put out. And I kindly said, no, they're not coming back. Is that it? And I was letting him know, like, I don't want to have this conversation with you. And I was doing it the best way that I could. He said, that's it. So he turned around to walk off and I shut the door. I locked it and I I turned and I literally made it four steps. People, (laughs) he banged on the door again. On the glass, not on the the wooden part of the door, but on the glass. And I just stopped and I said it again to myself, but this time I said it out loud. I had my back to him. I go, it's not going to make it any better for your family, Travis. Just turn around and handle it. And so I turn around and I open the door and I just said, yes. And he goes, I forgot to ask, do you play poker? And he had this look on his face. He knew exactly what he was doing. He could tell I was pissed off and he was trying to make it worse. And I said, no, I don't play poker. I said, is that it? I got stuff to do. He said, that's it. And I told him to have a good day and I walked off. I must have walked around my house inside of my house for the next two hours. I didn't sit down. I walked out back where I usually hide from everybody and I was cussing out loud. And I go, this is why I don't like people. This is why I don't like being around human beings. This is why I do not put myself in neighborhoods. And this is why I don't even sit in my front yard when my girls are playing basketball to watch them. Because I don't, I can't handle ignorance. But then what I realized too is I was convincing myself of all of this. I was perp- I was unintentionally, excuse me, I was unintentionally destroying all of the hard work that I'd worked so hard to do that mindset that I've trained myself to think positive things for so many years within a snap of a finger, I was verbalizing out loud that none of that was working because I was so infuriated. I was so put out, but what that man didn't know and what I wasn't realizing is that I just celebrated probably one of the biggest victories of my life. As stupid as that sounds. And I needed to be uh, proud of that. And so while I was walking around, sitting there cussing in my backyard, feeling you know mad at the world because that's the headspace I wanted to be in at the time, the light came on and I realized it. I was like, wait a minute. That was uncomfortable, Travis. 
and you handled it better than what you would have a long time ago. Yeah, you didn't smile and you didn't offer him a plate of fucking cookies and you didn't respond so neighborly. But you also didn't do what you would have done years prior. And you would have made that worse for everybody years prior. See, what would have happened if I would have handled it the way my body and my mind was telling me to handle it. That would have made it awkward anytime my girls walked outside, anytime my girls walked down the street, anytime my wife pulled into our cul-de-sac and waved to our neighbor. That would have made it awkward for everybody for the rest of our lives. I'd already done that to one of our neighbors that asked me a semi-personal question one day. And I was in a bad headspace. This was six years ago. And I broke it off in his ass. And we haven't spoken a word since. I have actually, you know, waved to him and said, hey, to him, but he hasn't forgot that shit. And it's awkward with my whole family. Now he's choosing to hang on to that. I'm not, but still, that's what I'm getting at. People are not going to see your victories. They're not going to appreciate your victories. That man has no idea how close he came to an ass whipping and how how close I probably came to a lawsuit for it because he's probably a bitch and wouldn't be able to handle it. But he knew what he was doing. I saw the look in his eyes and I saw the smirk on his face after that second knock. But that's my point. Listen, police officers out there, you know how you get challenged out there in public. You know how motherfuckers are trying you. You know how people are trying to set you up for failure. It's you against everybody in mental health in the mental health world. You can't let people set you up for failure. And when they do, you have to be able to recognize that. And you have to dominate. That's where it's time to really dominate in the mental health game is when you are being challenged. So I want to address how families handle this. Because when you are one, when you are somebody like like I am, when you're you're somebody like me who's had extreme challenges with mental health, with depression, with anxiety, with anger that's associated with all of those things. And you know in your heart you're a good person, but you feel like everybody looks at you like you're a fucking monster. How do you handle that? How do you handle being the best person that you can be and still feeling like it's never enough? You know, how do you you handle that? I know how I've handled it. I've taken it personally for a long fucking time. A long time. I think one of the issues with especially family, close family or extended family that I think they get a little too familiar because I think some people abuse the fact that they are related to you or they are family of some sort that they can, that it gives them a free pass to um, disrespect you because of who you are and how you've been to a lot of people over the years. If that makes sense, y'all know I'm not, I'm not the best at, at verbalizing some of these things, but I know that I have been challenged massively, massively by people that are close to me And I've never once stepped over that line out of respect for others. All right. And it's been one of the most challenging things 
of my entire life. You know, I know that I'm on paper. If you look at all the misdeeds, if you look at, you know, things I've said, things I've done, I I realize that I'm not the model citizen. I realize that I'm not the, the, the fucking trophy that, you know, some people strive to be. I get that. I'm a very, very flawed human being. But I own that. But I also take great pride in knowing that I work very, very diligently and, and endlessly and tirelessly on becoming the best version of myself that I can be. And I hope that you all understand that too. Because when you are struggling like many of us struggle, you cannot see what the fuck is going on in our minds. You cannot see what the fuck is affecting you. And if people could see that, they'd leave you the fuck alone. But you have people that twist the screws sometimes and they don't realize just how fucking dangerous you are. They don't realize just how fucking mean you can be if you if you had to be. And by you showing restraint, sometimes you still look like the asshole. They don't fucking get it because most of these people live in a goddamn bubble their entire lives. They've had a safe life from a safe place and their view of the world is nothing but sunshine and fucking rainbows. They've never been grabbed by their fucking throat. They've never been punched in the face. They've never been kicked in the face. They've never been fucking assaulted to the point where they're about to die. They've never had a knife pulled on them. They've never been shot at. They've never been blown up. They've never been on fire. They've never fucking watched other people melt right in front of them because they're on fire. They've never fucking seen somebody get murdered right in front of their face. They've never experienced these things. So when they're sitting next to someone who has and they're running their fucking mouth and they're doing things and they're saying things that are pushing your buttons and turning your screws, the only thing you can do is sit there and fucking take it. Because if you react, I promise you this, if you react, nobody will understand it. Nobody will ever forgive your reactions and it will only make everything in your family worse. So the only thing you can do is eat shit when that happens. That's the only thing you can do. And because you don't appear happy when you're sitting there eating a shit sandwich, people see that and you still look like the asshole. But here's the difference. I'm encouraging you to look like the asshole. Don't be the asshole. There's a big difference. When you react, you become the asshole that they fully expect you to be. When you look like the asshole, there's really no harm done other than somebody's offended by your fuck the way you look. Does that make sense? I was recently challenged in a way that I felt utterly disrespected on, on two different, two different things, 
two different things in the same fucking day. And if you can tell I'm fired up, that's one is because of this gas station coffee. Two is because I need to get this shit out. Sometimes people are fucking with a bomb that they think has already been diffused or they don't even realize the magnitude of the bomb that they're fucking with. The unfortunate part about that is when it's family, you can't, you can't detonate. You cannot do it. You may say, you may sit there and be like, oh, fuck that. Yeah, you can. People need, and I'm telling you right now, that's something you'll never come back from. It's something you will never come back from. And everybody suffers. This is how you know you're bigger than people when they intentionally insult you, unintentionally insult you, but they do it over and over and over and over. When you have that one person that gets too familiar every time they see you and you don't light them the fuck up, that says a lot about you and you need to be proud of that. I'm not even, I can't even get into how I was disrespected, but I'll get, yeah, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell you a scenario (laughs) where I come from. You don't fuck with people's food where I come from. Your plate is sacred where I come from. You keep your fucking hands to yourself. And if you get in my personal space, you get fucked up. That's where I come from. I'm not saying I'm still that way, but that's where I come from. And it's taken me a long time to not be that person anymore. And when I'm sitting there having a meal and you take half eaten food off of someone else's plate and instead of throwing it in the trash or instead of putting it on your plate, You put it on my fucking plate and push my food to the side and say, I'm going to set this right here. Have you lost your fucking mind? Now to, to many people that aren't like me, that would seem like no big deal. But I promise you, I know I get thousands of downloads a week on this, on this podcast. And I know almost every person that listens to this podcast, they listen because they relate. And I know you motherfuckers right now would come unglued to if somebody put some uneaten food from somebody else on your plate and didn't ask. They said, I'm going to just put this right here and push your food to the side. I don't give a fuck who it is. That's wrong. That's unacceptable. And in that moment, how do you handle that? Do you laugh that off after, you know, someone has, and I'm talking over 30, 40, 50 times of knowing this person, they've, they've done dumb shit like this and you never react to it. You just always bite your fucking lip and eat shit. When's it time to react to something like that? Cause that's what happened. And I sat there for a second 
And I did it again. I said to myself in my mind, I said, is this going to make things better? Or is it going to make things worse? Sure, it's going to make me feel real good. But what what is the actual effect that it's going to have outside of making me feel better? And I answered that question in my mind. I said, it's going to make everything worse for everybody involved. And so I stood up. The rest of my food on my plate, I walked to the trash can and I emptied my trash in, in the can. Or I emptied the rest of my food in the trash can. I rinsed my plate off and I walked into the back of my home. I shut a door and I was shaking. I was so fucking mad. I wanted to react, but I couldn't. I was shaking violently in the back room. Wanting to explode. But I couldn't. And I felt like I was being tested. And I felt like this was intentional. Because something else had happened that day. I'm not even getting into that. And I walked out and I didn't say shit. I never said a word. And I did what I always do. And I bit my tongue. And let everybody else have a good day. Because here is the truth. Here, here is the God's honest truth with that scenario. I appeared to be a bad guy by the way I handled it. I appeared to be a, 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 an, a smug asshole. By standing up, not saying nothing with a scowl on my face, walking over empty in my trash, getting up from the table dropping my food in a trash can and walking in the back. I appeared to be a dick. But let me tell you something. I was a victorious dick because I could have done a lot of damage to a lot of people in a very, very fast manner. And that's what you can do when you overreact to situations like that. There are people that are going to push your buttons because they think it's okay to do that because They've known you for a long time. I want you to think about that. That's going to lead me into this next portion that I get asked. The one question that I get asked more than anything is this. Travis, as a spouse, how do we help our spouse when we see them struggling? What do we do? That is the number one question that I am asked relentlessly. After post-traumatic purpose events and in my DMs and my inboxes, it is mostly wives of police officers and firefighters that ask those questions. Wives of corrections officers, wives of military personnel. I've actually been asked that by husbands of dispatchers. Multiple, I can't even keep count. So for you spouses out there, I want you to listen. And I want you to listen really fucking good to what I'm about to tell you. This is probably the most unfiltered layman's terms you're ever going to get this. I'm not going to church it up. I'm not going to sprinkle sugar on top of it. I'm not going to try to make it sound like it's out of a medical directory because my dumb ass can't do that anyway. 
But as somebody who has suffered for mental, with mental health issues for greater than two decades, I'm going to tell you how you can help your spouse when you see them struggling. You can shut the fuck up and you can back the fuck up. And that may sound harsh, but that's the best thing you can do is be quiet for a minute, give them some space and think about the words that are going to come out of your mouth because you do not know how volatile the situation is in that person's head. One wrong word can fuck things up forever. Does that make sense? One wrong word. One misinterpretation can light a bomb that cannot be diffused. So when you see somebody struggling, your your spouse, be quiet, back the fuck up, and give them a minute. Give them two minutes. Give them three minutes. Give them however much time they need. The best thing you can do is talk to them before one of these scenarios happen. And you ask them, baby, when you get to that point, what do you need from me? How can I help you once you get to that point? Because sometimes it's like a light switch and you don't even see it coming and boom, it's there. And hopefully y'all can communicate together and figure out a plan to defuse that bomb together. But it takes both of you being on the same fucking page. Being the spouse of someone who struggles with mental health is probably more difficult than being the person in the struggle themselves. Because as a spouse, you're struggling with something yeah, you don't. Un- the person struggling with it doesn't really understand it, but you absolutely have no understanding. I know why things set me off when they set me off, and sometimes I can't communicate why they set me off to protect everybody involved. So I don't communicate those things because I want to protect everybody, and I don't want to tell people what it is that I'm really struggling with because then it's going to make things worse. So I try to clam up and not do anything about it. Imagine being the spouse of the, of that person dealing with that shit, not knowing that you just did something that really set them off. And they just can't tell you that because it's only going to make things worse. Do you know how many fucking first responders shoot themselves in front of their spouses? It happens a lot. People kill themselves in front of their spouses because they get heated, a switch gets flipped, and you can't take it back. And and what that is, it's that see what you made me do, and it is like a punishment to the spouse for that. You don't want to live with that shit. So that's why I say harsh things the way that I say, shut the fuck up, back the fuck up, and give them the space that they need for a few minutes. Nothing good comes from a heated conversation. I'm about to make a reel. And and I don't know when I know when I'm going to put it out, but I'm going to put it out. Spoiler alert. And it's going to be called how to win an argument. You want to know how to win an argument? Shut the fuck up and let the other person win it. That's how you win the argument. What is winning an argument? It's all ego. Why is it so important that you win a fight? fucking war of words. Why is that so important that you win your point of view? Who gives a shit? 
This life is too short and that is too fucking stupid. This is why people throw hands when when they're out like in public. This is why people fight over dumb shit. It's because they got to prove that they're right. You are never going to prove to someone who has made up their your their mind that you're wrong. You're never going to prove them that they're wrong and you're right. So why waste your energy and why endanger your spouse over some bullshit? You know what? The fucking house is green. No, it's not. It's blue. Okay, whatever. It is what it is. You, that's how stupid. I remember back in the day when me and my wife would get into arguments, right? I remember I would stop and she, 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 she could, she'll, she can attest to this, right? I would look her dead in the face when I felt this, the argument was coming. I'd stop and I would look her dead in the face and I'd be like, you realize everything that's about to happen that we're all about to say right here. It's all because of this. And, and I would point out the stupid little thing that we'd be arguing over. Okay. And, in, and inevitably we'd still continue and everybody'd be pissed off for a fucking week or two. And, and every single time we'd look back and it's sure enough, it was over some little bullshit that had no meaning in life. I can't even tell you what a lot of the arguments were about. Cause that's how stupid they are. Spouses, if you want to help your spouse, if they're struggling with mental health, you have to be able to understand once they're in that mindset, there has to be communication between the two of you because sometimes we get so mad we cannot see past the fury. Me and my wife work on this still to this day, and she actually de-escalated me the other day. I got mad at my at my daughters because of some dumb shit, and I was about to take everything away from them. I was going to take basketball and this and all this shit, and I walked in the back, and she goes, Travis, let me, let me tell you right now. She goes, you asked me to help you when you get to this point, so this is me trying to help you. You asked me to do this, so I want to do this, so you have to let me help. Because if not, you can't ask me for help. And she says, do not go in there and threaten to take basketball from them. She goes, one day we're going to need basketball. That's what's going to bail us out. And that's what's going to help our children from getting into dumb shit. So you taking that every time for a punishment, she goes, that's not the right way. We got to figure out something else. And long story short, it just made so much sense coming from her. But I was I was so pissed at the time. I wanted to teach my daughter's lesson. I'm like, fuck this. I'm going to take everything from y'all. I'll take the goddamn lights out the ceiling. You know what I mean? Like I was, they were ungrateful for something. So I was trying to teach them a lesson. I was going to take away everything that I pay for. But she had a point. Take away all the other shit, but don't take the sports from them because sports is what they need to keep them thriving. Sports is what keeps little girls' confidence high and all this. And I take that from them. All I'm doing is making it harder for them. But it took my wife telling me that because I was so infuriated and I was so blinded by my own ego and by my own point of view that I had to make this it had to be the way I say, or or, or, or or it doesn't go at all. Uh, 
It's difficult being the spouse of someone that's struggling with mental health. It would be like trying to assemble a car with no instructions. That's how difficult it would be. And without having any experience assembling cars and somebody coming up to you, dropping that at your, at your feet and being like, Hey, you need to assemble this to make your family whole. You need to put this car together and you don't get any help. By the way, you have to figure it out on your own. That's what it's like being the spouse of someone suffering with mental health issues. We, the person who's struggling, sometimes we have the instructions with us, but we don't want to reveal them because that makes us too vulnerable. It's too hard to talk about feelings. It's too hard to open up to family and tell them how you're really struggling But you know what's harder? Losing your entire family. That's much harder. But the pride that's associated with letting people help you, that's the fall of many families right there. That's it in a nutshell. In closing, I want you to think about something. The next time you go to have a, a disagreement, with someone or you, and you feel like it's going to um, spin out of control. It's not going to be a simple disagreement, but it's going to be one of those disagreements where there's going to, grudges are going to be held. It's going to make everything awkward for days, weeks, months, blah, blah, blah. Or even, you know, when someone in your family or someone close to you disrespects you before you break it off in their ass, I want you to think about this. And then I want you to base your decision on what you do on this question right here. Do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Because one is pride and the other is letting go of pride. And when you can start letting go of pride, you can start finding true happiness. I love y'all. I I, I really appreciate y'all for being here. Um, look, we're adding a few more dates to my tour schedule that are coming in. We got Greenville, South Carolina. That's going to come up May 11th. It's not on my website just yet, but that one's coming through. Downey, um, Downey, California, it's a city in Los Angeles that's coming in December, but I believe that one's going to be private, but I'll have to get back with you on that one. And the other one is San Diego, California, baby. Um, we're going to be doing a big peer support conference down there. Uh, that I believe that one, I believe they opened that registration link up. So if y'all want to come catch some sun out in October, that's going to be on October the 15th. Um, again, those three are not on my website yet, but as soon as the final, final confirmation is in, we'll have some final paperwork we have to go through. Um, but those events are solid. They're, they are going to happen. Um, but as soon as that happens and we get all of the registration info, those links will be on my website. Now I do want to encourage you if you have, if you're in the Shreveport, Louisiana area, you still have a little bit of time to register for that event. That is March the 9th. Um, we have close to 900 registered now, you know, that first event got canceled from the ice storm. We had 1300 registered. So we, you know, we're about 400 short of where we were, which is, you know, it's understandable. And if, and if you actually made plans to come there and, and you lost money because you, you booked flights, et cetera, Look, I'm I'm terribly sorry I lost out too. So, and I understand if you don't want to come back and you want to try to catch it somewhere else. So I get it. But if you want to come to Shreveport, Louisiana, please do. There's still room. That's going to be a really big one. Um, Valparaiso, Indiana is after that. That one's sold out. 
Amboy, Illinois after that one. Then we have the Phoenix Project in Columbus, Ohio. You can still register for that. Those registrations are, are like coming in hot every single day now as we're starting to approach. That's going to be a really big event with a lot of other speakers. Amherst, Virginia is sold out. Abington, Massachusetts is sold out, but there's a waiting list uh, if you want to get on that waiting list. Uh, Eugene, Oregon, Chico, California, those are private events. You still check it out. Littleton, Colorado. You have two opportunities to come to beautiful Colorado. Uh, one is July the 3rd, and I'm excited for that one because I'm going to have my family in Colorado for 4th of July. We're going to do something different. And July the 10th, the week after that. Um, after that, we're going to be down in Orlando at the FASRO conference. That's uh, school resource officer, Florida school resource officers conference. And then I'm in Miami, Florida with the bleeding blue. Um, you guys can jump all over those tickets, man. If you want to come down to Miami in July and, and, and shake what your mama gave you, come on down there. Uh, we can, we could certainly love to have you Los Angeles, California. That event has still, they're still haven't secured the venue for that one, but as soon as they do, that will be live on my website, Raleigh, North Carolina, August the 7th. They will be doing another ticket release. That one sold out so fast that um, I think it sold out within like minutes after posting. I think it was. It was It was insane. It was like uh, super, super cool. But they have to get a bigger venue. They, that They're doing the venue setup and all of that stuff. So as soon as they're ready to release more tickets, they're going to do that. So keep an eye out for that. Gerald, Texas, uh, August the 17th. If you just feel like sweating your balls off or your, your whatever's off, um, in, in Texas, come on out. I'm going to be out there. I'd love to see you on Gerald, Texas. I couldn't have picked a hotter fucking place to go in August and I'm excited about it. But then we have Reams, Pennsylvania after that one. Reams, Pennsylvania, their, uh, their registration link just went live a couple days ago. So, um, if you were waiting for reams, go look at it. Now the registration is open. Las Vegas is filling up quickly for September to 26. Um, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania is sold out and the state college in Pennsylvania, the fire arson investigators, they are still working on a registration link for that one. East Lake, Ohio, we should have a registration link within the next few weeks. And lastly, we have Frankfort, Kentucky on November the 9th. I want you to listen to this. So when I made, check this out. Frankfort, Kentucky was another one that we put the, we, we didn't even actually put the link up. I forwarded the link to the host of the event. And the next morning I went on and we had 200 people already registered and it wasn't even live on my site yet. It's live on my site now, and there's over 300 registered. So that one's going to, we're going to limit that one at 486 because that's what that theater holds. Beautiful theater in Frankfort, Kentucky. It's a double decker. It's going to be very beautiful um, venue. You better register quickly for that one. I cannot wait to see y'all. Thank you so much for the support. Please, you know, I don't really, I don't really ask for a lot. I just post shit and then, and then, you know, I disengage and go out and feed my cows and stuff. But, this doesn't happen without you all, and the growth has been phenomenal. But I ask if you do enjoy this podcast, please post it and share it, and encourage other people to take other people's other people to take a listen to it and to follow my pages. You know what I mean? I I don't like asking people for follows, but you know there may be somebody out there that can benefit from this. Also, if you have my book, Create Your Own Light, please if you've read that and you enjoyed it, go back to Amazon and leave a review. Those help out tremendously. We're almost at 600 reviews. That's fucking awesome for a self-published author. I can't thank y'all enough. Um, if you didn't like it, shut the fuck up. 
anyway, the second book hopefully will be coming out this year. Um, and I'm excited about that. But I can't wait to see y'all. Thank you for the support. I love each and every one of you. Thank you.